I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, ah, you've come to Leaves of Glen, where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. This week, we're going to read a story from the children's book of Thanksgiving stories. Uh, This one's called uh, Thanksgiving at Todd's Asylum. Going to take a little break for the Blue Fairy book to read you this uh, terrifying tale. Uh, I imagine it's terrifying. You haven't read it yet, but we're going to find out as we go along. Uh, Tell a a funny little quip about Sixer, my six-toed cat. Well, I had a happy hour uh, on uh, video for work uh, for a person that's leaving, someone that was also laid off, just as I was. Uh, But they found a job right away, and they just kind of slid on in. Uh, I've been holding out for a position uh, within the same company that didn't work out. So now I'm terrified. And so we sit at this happy hour with these people, and I have kind of a weird butterfly feeling in my stomach, and I feel like, ah, well, uh, hopefully I'll be as lucky as this person that we're sending off. And uh, everyone's drinking beers and having a great time, but I can't stop thinking about uh, Winthrop Packard, uh, the author of the story we're about to read, uh, Thanksgiving at Todd's Asylum. And uh, how you look online and there's literally nothing about Winthrop Packard available anywhere for you to read. Uh, uh, that's it. The, the person, uh, uh, the only thing I found was from lit2go.com, which is Winthrop Packard is best known for his novels of the nature genre. Uh, his works include Old Plymouth Trails, Wild Pastures, Florida Trails, uh, Woodland Paths, and uh, Wildwood Ways. So, that doesn't help anything. I know nothing about the author of this short story, specifically tailored for uh, Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving that I plan to spend alone, and plan to spend alone hilariously. I was going to make a point of trying to cook a whole turkey, uh, which I've never done in my entire life, all by myself. Just get a big old turkey and throw it in the oven uh, with whatever any kind of recipe on the internet tells me to do. And uh, then I was going to make, uh, you know, the whole stuffing and cranberries and just have a, a whole spread on my dining room table and then take pictures of it and pictures of myself uh, pathetically uh, with this whole layout and the entire dining room table, just me at the end by myself. And, and boy, wouldn't that be fun to send to people, both for hilarity and uh, a subtle kind of uh, uh, pity. And so with these plans and uh, this story I plan on telling... Here on uh, Thanksgiving in the American holidays, uh, I was at my happy hour uh, tonight and uh, wondering, what the hell am I going to say about this Winthrop person who there's literally nothing about that this person wrote a story and just walked into the mist afterwards. 
And uh, as I sat there, and I'm not making this up, Sixer, my six-toed cat, uh, who's also 22 years old, kind of got into the frame. And everyone on the call was like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, ah, it's my bony, bony, smelly, old cat, Sixer. And they said, oh, isn't he delightful? Oh, he looks great for his age. I'm like, no, you can't see it very well on your camera. He's very bony and uh, just kind of waddles around and sleeps all the time. And they said, oh, he's a delight. I'm like, no, he's not a delight. And then he looked at me with his eyes, his weird, glassy, cataract eyes, and said, uh, eh, what are you going to read about? And I said, shh, not now. I'm on a happy hour with my coworkers. And he said, ah, oh, what are you worried you're going to lose your job? And I said, yes, I, I'm worried about it because I don't have a fallback. I thought I had a fallback. I don't have a fallback now. And then uh, everyone could hear me saying all this on the thing. And then he said, uh, yeah, what are you, you got to read a, a turkey story tonight? And I said, shut up, Sixer. I'm tired of hearing from you. And then he just sort of stared at me for a while with his bottom lip hanging down and his black teeth because they're so neglected. Yeah, because, oh, thank God the clock struck, because I have nothing to say. Uh, I really don't have anything to say. And so now we're going to move on to the story of uh, Thanksgiving at Todd's Asylum. Thanksgiving at Todd's Asylum by Winthrop Packard. A little tiny quote underneath says, Many a chuckle lies in wait for the reader in the pages of this story. (laughs) And the humor is of the sweet, mellow sort that sometimes brings moisture to the eyes as well as laughter to the lips. There's a lot of big promises there. Let's just dive in. Ah, people said that if it had not been for that annuity, uh, F. Todd would have been at the poor farm himself instead of uh, setting up a rival to it. But there was the annuity, and that was the beginning of Todd's asylum. Uh, No no matter uh, who or what you were, if you were in hard luck, a Todd's asylum was open to you. Ah, uh, the number four district schoolhouse clock was a, a sample. For 30 years, I uh, it had smiled from the wall upon successive generations of scholars until one day, bowed with years and infirmities, it had ceased to tick. It had been taken gently down, laid out on a desk in the state uh, for a day or two, and finally was in funeral possession uh, for the rubbish heap when F, it's just E-P-H, Todd appeared. Eh, you're not going to throw that good old clock away, F said, uh, with the committee's men who had acted as the bearer. I guess I'll have to, replied the other. I want it up tight, uh, put most of a pint of kerosene in it, and shook it till I'm dizzy, and it won't tick a bit. I guess the old clock's done for. Oh, oh, now see here, said F. Uh, you just let me have a try in it, and I'll take it home for a spell. <laughs> oh, for that matter, I'll give it to you, said the committee man, replied, and, and uh, we, we bought another for the schoolhouse. Well, a day or two after the clock had ticked away as soberly as ever on the wall of Todd's kitchen, uh, took it home and boiled it to a pota- boiled it in potash? I don't know what that is. F used to say. And there it is, just as good as it was 30 years ago. 
Uh, this is true, with restrictions, for enough enamel was gone from the face to make an exact location of the hour an uncertain thing. Uh, there were days uh, when the wind was in the east and the hour was hand was needed for periodical assistance. I just made the font bigger. I can't read this on my Kindle because I couldn't download it because my Kindle's having problems getting on the internet, so I have to read it from a web page on uh, Gutenberg.com, which is fine and all, but the font is so dang small. So, I made it bigger and continuing on. That wasn't much of a job, as F said. I had to reach up once an hour and send the hand along one pace, and Aunt Tildy had to have something to look forward to. Oh, Aunt Tildy was the first inmate at Todd's, and if F had possessed no other recommendation to eternal beautitude, uh, surely Aunt Tildy's prayers had been sufficient. She passed the house on her way to the poor farm on the very day that the news of the legacy arrived, and F had stopped the carriage and begged the overseer to leave her with him. I, uh, I she could take care of her? asked the overseer, doubtfully. Uh, sure, echoed F with delight. Of course I, I'm sure. Ain't I got $400 a year uh, for the rest of my natural-born days? What, everyone in town knows about this? Uh, he's a good fellow, F. Todd, mused the overseer as he drove away, but I never heard of his having any money. Oh, so he's a liar. Next day, the news of the legacy was common property, and Aunt Tildy had been an inmate at Todd's ever since. Uh, her gratitude knew no bounds, and she really managed to keep the house after a fashion, uh, her chief care uh, being the clock. Then there was the heaven-born inventor. He had dissipated his substance in investing in an incubator that worked with wonderful success uh, till the day the chickens had were come out uh, when it took fire and burned up, taking it with the chickens, barn, house, furniture, leaving the heaven-born inventor standing in the field thinly clad and with nothing left in the world but another incubator. With this, he had shown up promptly at Todd's and there had been a dwelt thenceforth uh, feeling a pretty fair portion of the annuity and further incubator experience. Uh, with excellent sagacity for him, F. had obliged uh, the heaven-born inventor to keep his machine in a little shed behind the barn, so that when this one burned up, there was time to get the horse and the cow out before the barn burned, and the village fire department managed to save the house. Repairing the loss made quite a hole of the annuity, and all the heaven-born inventor had to show for it was militades. Militades. All right, moving on. He had but a single turkey's egg uh, with the previous hatch, and though he had raised nary chicken... And it was contrary uh, to all rhyme and reason the turkey's egg had hatched and the chick had grown up to be uh, uh, millet, militades. I'm not looking it up. Militades! I was a big gobbler now. I had a right to be named Ishmael. <laughs> For his hand was against all men. And he took care of himself, was never shut up uh, nor handled, and uh, led a wild, nomadic life. Uh, last of all came Fisherman Jones. What kind of asylum is this? He's just scooping up randoms. Uh, he was old now and couldn't see very well and able to go to the brook or pond to fish, but he still started out daily with the fine new rod and reel, which the annuity had bought for him, and would sit on the sun at joint his rod together and, and fish in the dry pasture with perfect contentment. You would not think 
Yeah, Fisherman Jones of much use, but it was he who caught Militades and made the Thanksgiving dinner possible. The, the new barn had exhausted the revenues completely, and there would be no more income till January 1st. But one must have a turkey for Thanksgiving, and there was Militades. To catch Militades became the household problem. The heaven-born inventor set wonderful traps for him, which caught almost everything uh, but Militades, who easily avoided them. F uh, used to go out daily for breakfast and chase Militades, but... Uh, as he might as well have chased a government position. Ah, get it? And the turkey scorned him and grew only wilder and tougher till he had a lean and hungry look that would have shamed Cassius. The day before Thanksgiving, it looked as if there would be no turkey at dinner for Todd's. But here, Fisherman Jones stepped into the breach. Ah, it was a beautiful Indian summer day. That's a term that I used to know as a child. Uh, but also, you know, much later, seemed racist. And he hobbled out into the field for an afternoon's fishing. Here he sat on a log and began to make casts in the open. Uh, nearby, under a salmon bush, uh, lurked militates, and he viewed these actions with the scorn of a long familiarity. By and by, Fisherman Jones kicked up a loose bit of bark and disclosed beneath it uh, a fine white grub of the sort, which blossoms into June beetles uh, with the coming of spring. What? He was not so blind that he saw this, and with a chuckle at the thoughts it called up, he baited his hook with it. Uh, a moment after, F. Todd, coming out of the new barn, uh, heard the click of a reel. It was astonished to see Fisherman Jones standing almost erect, his eyes blazing with the old-time fire, his, his rod bent, his reel buzzing. And at the end of a good forty feet of the line was Militades, rushing in frantic strides for the woods. Uh, uh, good land, said F. Uh, it's the turkey. Uh, snub him, he yelled. Uh, don't let him get the line on you. Uh, he's hooked. Uh, snub him, exclamation point. Snub him, exclamation point. The whir of the reel oh, deadened now, and the stride of Militades was perceptibly lessened and then became but a vigorous up-and-down hop, while the tense line sang in the gentle autumn breeze. Uh, Ep Todd, gasped Fishman Jones, this is the whoppingest old bass I ever hooked yet. Uh, beeswax, how does he pull? And with the words, the Fishman Jones went backward over the log, waving the pole in the air and his stiff legs in the air. Uh, the turkey had suddenly slackened the line. Uh, give him the butt, exclamation point. Give him the but, exclamation point, word F, rushing up, even where he lay, the fisherman, blood, and fisherman Jones responded in this stirring appeal. And as the rod bent in a tense half-circle, a race began such as no elderly fisherman uh, was ever the center of before. Round and round with militates, with the white grub in his crop. And the line above it gripped tightly in his strong beak. And, and the round and round went up Todd, his outstretched arms waving like the turkey's wings, and his big boots denting the soft pasture turf with the vigor of his gallop. And in the center, Fisherman Jones, too, nearsighted to see what he had hooked, had risen nah, on one knee and, re and revolved uh, with the coursing bird, his soul wrapped in one idea, to keep the butt of his rod aimed at the whirling game. Yeah, hang to him! Yeah, exclamation point. Reel him in! 
Exclamation point. We'll, we'll get him! Exclamation point, shouted F. And with the word, he caught his toe and vanished into the prickly depths of the savant bush. Just as the heaven-born inventor came over the hill, it would be interesting to know uh, just what scheme the heaven-born inventor uh, would have put in motion for the capture of Militates. But just as he stepped into one uh, of his own extraordinary traps, uh, set for the turkey, of course, and with the foot held fast, began to flounder about the cries of rage and dismay. This brought F's head above the fringe of Savin Bush again, and now he beheld a wonderful sight. Ah, Fisherman Jones was again on his feet, staring in wild surprise at Militates, whom he sighted for the first time. Within uh, uh, ten feet of him, there was no pressure on the reel, and Militates was swallowing the line in big gulps, evidently determined uh, to have not only the white grub, but all that went with it. Fishman Jones' cry in dismay was almost as bitter as that of the heaven-born inventor who still writhed in his own trap. Oh, F, F, he whimpered. He's, he's eating up my tackle. Eh, he's eating up my tackle, exclamation point. Ah, never mind, shouted F. Don't be afraid. I reckon he'll, uh, he'll stop when he gets to the pole. Now, those who knew Militates at his best have doubts as to this, but fortunately, it was uh, not put to the test. F scrambled out of his bush and, taking up the chase once more, soon brought it to an end. Uh, for Fishman Jones, his nerve, nah, completely gone, could only stand and mumble sadly to himself. Yeah, he's, he's eating up my tackle! Exclamation point. He's, he's eating up my tackle! Exclamation point. And the line... Wrapping about his motionless form, led F and the turkey in a brief spiral, which ended in the conjunction of the three. It was not until the turkey was decapitated that F remembered the heaven-born inventor had hastened to his rescue. Now he was still in his trap, but he's quite content, for he was figuring out a plan for an automatic release from the same, something which should hold the captive so long, and then, uh, and then let him go. In the interest of humanity, he found the trap from the captive's point of view very interesting and instructive. The tenacity of Militate's makeup was further shown for the difficulty F and Fisherman Jones had in separating him from his feathers that evening. Oh, they caught him. And Aunt Tildy was so interested in the project of the heaven-born inventor to raise featherless turkeys that she forgot the yeast cake she had uh, put to soak until it had been boiling merrily for some time. Everything uh, seemed to go wrong, and uh, uh, too. And they sat up so late that Mrs. Simpkins, across the way, was led to observe that either someone was dead over at Todd's or else they were having a family party. And in a certain sense, uh, she was right both ways. The crowning misadventure came the next morning. F started for the village with his mind full of commissions and from Aunt Tildy and some of which he was sure to forget. And in a great hurry, lest he forget them all, he threw the harness hastily upon Dobbin, hitched him out of the wagon, which had stood out in the soft ground overnight, and in an eager, uh, get up there, exclamation point, gave him a slap of the reins. Next moment... Ah, there was a ripping sound, and the heaven-born inventor came to the door just in time to see the horse going out to the yard for a run, ah, with F following, still clinging to the reins, and taking strides much like those of Baron Munchausen's courier. Ah, here, here, called the inventor. You forgot the wagon. Ah, come back, F. Ah, 
You forgot the wagon. Jedediah Jodkins, said F, as he swung an eccentric curve about the gatepost. Do you, whoa, exclamation point, suppose I'm such a, whoa, whoa, two exclamation points, a fool that I don't know I'm riding a, whoa, exclamation point, in a, whoa, exclamation point, whoa, exclamation point, wagon. And with this, F vanished upstreet in the wake of Galloping Horse, still clinging valiantly to the reins. I believe he did forget the wagon, said the heaven-born inventor. He's perfectly capable of it. But when he reached the barn, he saw the trouble. The ground had frozen hard overnight, and the wagon wheels sunken in where it held in a vise. Oh, F had started the horse suddenly, and the obedient animal had walked uh, right out to the shafts, harness and all. A half hour later... F was back in Dobbin. Unharmed, but a trifle weary. It took more than an hour, uh, after all, and until he's hot water to thaw out the wheels. And when it was done, F was so confused that he drove to the village and back and forgot every one of his commissions. And in the midst of all this, the clock stopped. That settled the matter for Aunt Tildy. She neglected the pudding. She forgot the uh, pies. And she let the turkey bake and bake in the overheated oven while she fretted about the clock. And when it was finally set going, after long and careful investigation by F, the frantic but successful attempts on part of Aunt Tildy to keep the heaven-born inventor from ruining it forever, it was dinner hour. Yeah, yeah poor Aunt Tildy. The dinner was crowning sorrow of her life. The vegetables were cooked to rags. Oh, the pies were charcoal shells, and the pudding had not been made. As for Militades, he was ten times tougher than in life. And F's carving knife slipped from his uh, form, eh, without making a dent, Aunt Tildy wept at this, and Fisherman Jones and the inventor looked blank enough, but there was no uh, sorrow in the countenance of F. Uh, he cheered Aunt Tildy, ha ha ha, and he cracked jokes, ha ha, that made even Fisherman Jones laugh. Oh, I bless you, he said, ever since I was a boy, I've been looking for a chance to, uh, to make a Thanksgiving dinner out of bread and milk. And now I've got it. Why, I wouldn't have missed this for anything. And there came a knock at the door. Even F looked a trifle blank at this. If he should be company, eh, come in, he called. Now the door is pushed uh, aside, and a big, steaming platter entered. It was upheld by a small boy who stammered indifferently. Eh, my, my mother fed. She wanted you to try a thumb of her nth turkey. This is seeming mildly offensive. Well, well, said F. Aunt Tildy has cooked a turkey for us today, and she's a, a main good cook. F did not appear to see the signs that the heaven-born inventor was making to him, but I heard that your mother does things pretty well, too. We're greatly obliged, and F put the steaming platter on the table. Uh, she says you cook, oh, this is bad. Thend the platter home tomorrow. Stammered the boy and stammered himself out. He ran into another, and the high held, the other held high a big dish of plum pudding, from which a spicy aroma filled the room. Again, ah, the heaven-born inventor made signs to F. Our folks told me to ask if you wouldn't try it. Oh, this plum pudding, said the newcomer. They made an extra one, eh, and the cousins 
We expect it didn't come, so we could spare it just as well as not. Well, it seemed as if F hesitated a moment, and the inventor's face became a, a panorama. And then he took the boy by the hand, and there was an odd shake in his voice as he said, I'm greatly obliged to you. We all are. Something happened to our plum pudding, and we didn't have any. Tell your, uh, tell your ma we send our thanks. There was the sound of voices, a greeting in the hallway, and the two young girls entered, each laden with a basket. Oh, uh, Mr. Todd... They, they both said it was. We couldn't wait to knock. We want you to try some of our, of our Thanksgiving. It was Mother's birthday, and we cooked an extra for that. We got so much, we, we can't get all ours on the table. She'll feel real hurt if you don't. Somehow, F couldn't say a word, but there was nothing to matter. Okay, I get it. So everyone in town is coming to the asylum. And it's an asylum? An asylum? I Okay, there's a lot of problems there, but we're just going to let that one go. Uh, but apparently this is a nice gesture by the entire town to this asylum. And I get it, and I kind of wish it would wrap up. His speech was delighted, acceptance, uh, such a good one, that before there was half done, the girls had loaded the table with good things, and with smiles and nods and goodbyes, slipped out as rapidly and as gaily as they had come in. It was like a, like a gust of wind uh, from, a, from a summer garden. The table... But now so bare, fairly sagged and steamed with offerings of Thanksgiving, somehow yeah, the steam got into F's eyes made them made them all wet. Till all he could do was say whimsically, whims, whimsically, there goes my last chance at a bread milk Thanksgiving. But Aunt Tilly had the floor with her faded face all light. F. Todd, she said, you needn't look so frustrated, frustrated. That's a word. Frustrated. It's nothing more than you deserve, and not half so much either. Ain't you the, the kindest man yourself that ever lived? Ain't you ain't you always doing something uh, for everybody? And uh, helping every one of these neighbors in all sorts of ways? I'd like to know what the whole place would do without you. And now, just because they remember you on Thanksgiving Day, you look like Big Dash, Big Dash, the steam had got into Aunt Tildy's eyes now, and she sat down again. Uh, just as there came another knock at the door, a timid sort of knock this time, the heaven-born inventor's face widened in beautified uh, smiles of expectation at this, but F looked at him sturdily in the eye. Jedediah Jodkins, he said. If that is any more people bringing things to eat in this house, uh, they'll have to, to, to go away. We can't have it. Uh, we got enough here now to, to feed a... Eh, a boarding school. The heaven-born inventor sprang eagerly to his feet. Oh, don't you do it, F, he said. Don't you do it. I've just thought of a way to can it. A thinly clad man and woman stood at the door, which F opened. Both looked pale and tired, and the woman shivered. Now, can you tell me where I can get work? Asked the man, doggedly, so that I can earn a little, uh, a little something to eat. Oh, we're not beggars, he flushed. Uh, a little through his pallor, but I've had no work lately, and we haven't eaten since yesterday. We are looking dash, dash. The man stopped, as well as he might have, for F was dancing wildly about the two and hustling them into the house. Uh, come in, he shouted. Come in, come in. Uh, you're the folks we are waiting for. Eat? Uh, why, goodness gracious, we've got so much to eat, we don't know what to do with it. He had them in chairs in a moment and was 
piling steaming roast turkey on their plates. There, yeah, he said. Don't you say another word till you filled up on that, folks. Then he returned to the others. Uh, here, two friends have come to stay a week with us and help eat turkey. Fall two. This is going to be the pleasantest Thanksgiving we've had yet. And thus, two new inmates were added to Todd's asylum. Ah, well, what happened here in this glorious Thanksgiving Day story? Uh, well, it's a guy named Todd that just kind of has a house that people just stay at. Not really an asylum. I couldn't really understand as I was reading it what makes it an asylum. I was thinking like crazy people or something. But uh, no, it's just people in general that just stay with him. It starts out with a clock that gets dismissed very early on and almost has no point for the rest of the story. Uh, But it does focus the woman, who's eventually going to be the cook, to not be able to do her job because the clock's not working very well. And then uh, the town, which we've learned nothing about, uh, suddenly appreciates the hell out of him and just brings him food and food and food. And then uh, two uh, layabouts, uh, two scamps suddenly show up and say, uh, well, we don't got anywhere. We're not beggars, okay? Okay? We're not uh, handout people, okay? We just we just need some work. Oh, hey, you got food. Then they sit down, they eat the dinner. So Todd's dancing around like a weirdo, and there's like a weird inventor for no reason who just kind of doesn't do anything except for, I know how to can the food, and we're going to keep it in the basement for like the next 70 years. So what's good about this story? Eh, the spirit of giving. On a holiday in America based on a bunch of starving white people that Native Americans helped out. And they said, thank you. Oh, boy, we're so thankful. Can't wait to destroy you and the rest of your land after that. What sucks? Well, I don't know. I guess it's a story of goodwill and giving. Nothing really sucks. Except for the context of the holiday where we had the Native Americans help the white people who later turned and killed all of them and took their land. What do we learn? Kindness comes at a price. Oh, you can be kind to someone, but they will turn on you and kill you and take all of your land. So with that, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Enjoy this next pre-recorded part. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Well, uh, you can find me uh, at my website, nuzzlehouse.com, where I have a backlog of Everything I've ever read, uh, you can search for it by author, if you're a weirdo who's into that kind of thing. Uh, You can also find me on my completely dead and never used Instagram, at House Nuzzle, which you'll never see me update. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, uh, at House Nuzzle. 
where uh, eh, you can leave me a message or something if you want. I post on there just when I have new episodes and nothing else. Or if you want to speak to me directly, you can email me at glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Now let's see. I swear I still got one left down here. No. That's got a cigarette button.